Hello and welcome to Mainstream by Pixel Sift. My name is Gianni DiGiovanni and joining me on this episode of Mainstream is our very first guest on the show, Nicholas Kennedy, a games journalist who you might have read in JB Hi-Fi Stack Magazine or in the big issue in the small screen section covering games and music and all sorts of stuff as well. Uh, Nicholas, thanks for joining us. I appreciate you coming on as our first uh, guest on Mainstream. Well, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Can't wait to hear what you've been playing. Um, it's a, a big deal, pardon the pun. A lot of people have been talking about this one. Um, now, if you've this is the first time you've tuned in uh, to me Mainstream, uh, Pixel Sift has made uh, our name delivering some of the best indie games coverage um, for games made in Australia and around the world. And this is Mainstream. Uh, episode 24. Mainstream, we discuss all those high-profile games, uh, those sleeper indie hits, uh, and anything we've been having fun with lately. And uh, Nicholas, tell me, what have you been playing recently? Well, Gianni, I've been uh, trudging my way through the snow in uh, in Resident Evil Village and dealing with all manner of um, beasties and nasty things. A lot of people uh, looking forward to getting completely stepped on in that game, and we'll hear a bit more about that in just a second. And for something completely different, I think tonally you couldn't get more different uh, in terms of a, a contrast in games. Uh, I've been playing the new Pokemon Snap, which came out uh, last week on the Nintendo Switch. So let's jump in. This is Mainstream by Pixel Sift. New Pokemon Snap. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a question just right off the top. Did you ever play the 64 version of Pokemon Snap when it was out? Was that, are you of that right era? Yeah, so I did. I had a Nintendo 64. I, I just, uh, no, is my short answer. Um, I never did play Snap. It, it always struck me as a, a very strange kind of uh, representation of that world, um, although upon reflection maybe i was uh you know denying myself something quite special but yeah so no no uh experience with that uh franchise myself or that's well, uh, that entry for me uh i i never had a 64 i actually was uh, had a playstation in those days and oh. we spent a lot of time at our friend's house um playing a lot of these games playing pokemon stadium um checking out all these things and and snap was a big part of that um, and one of the things that really reminded me of that time was, you know, not that long ago, well, probably was quite a while ago now, but I was in a video store um, and they had one of those original Pokemon Snap printers where you could take your N64 cartridge, plug it in, get a, a sheet of stickers. I don't even know if it worked anymore because no one had a cartridge or a set of stickers around. Um, but, you know, that was part of the experience of, of, of a way to sort of expand that world of Pokemon. And now when you think about it in the context of where it was um, back, you know, in the in Nintendo 64 era, Pokemon was in its sort of early days. The world of Pokemon was only just expanding. A lot of people were enjoying the anime. They might have picked up uh, some of the, the Game Boy games and were playing those there. We had a few entries uh, coming to other consoles, but it was a way for us to explore uh, the Pokemon world in a different sort of of way and sort of see almost like a more living world and that's what i think this new pokemon snap does really well um it is a i would describe it as it's an on-rails shooter if for lack of a better uh term of it uh you you sit in a cart uh, you're a photographer you've got uh, i was job. just about to say you've got me frightened for the pokemon I yeah shooter, <laughs> shooting but, photos know. not uh, yep. not yep. shooting shooting bullets um yeah on rail shooter because i mean really that's what it is it's a first person shooter game you've, you're looking down the barrel of a ca uh, of a camera um taking pictures of uh, pokemon as they move past and you are sort of traveling through uh, a whole bunch of different environments 
movements uh, from volcanoes to deserts to the oceans um, and island adventures and things like that. And moving through these different biomes and sort of capturing Pokemon in a world uh, where they aren't battling each other, where they aren't uh, part of the the gym system. You're almost just in there as a nature photographer to explore this world. And for me, I think that is one of the things that this game does really, really nicely. It is a, um, it feels very much like a living world, uh, one that you are inside of, uh, ex- examining, um, taking pictures of, and it's one that you like to revisit. And for me, it really scratched that itch of um, that feeling um, and that nostalgic feeling of what it was like in those early days when we just couldn't get enough Pokemon. We just couldn't get enough of it. And when Snap came out, uh, we thought, this is this is it. This is part of the the next thing, and it's a surprising seeing as so many consoles have come and gone between the Nintendo sixty four and now the Nintendo Switch um, that they never saw another entry of this game until until now. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you mention uh, how alive like the Pokemon seem in the game. A lot of the a lot of the discussion that I've seen this week about this game, it, you know, has has touched on that this is the most living representation of these funny little creatures uh these nasty little rats um that we've uh, ever you know seen um and i guess i just would ask you you know what what what's i, I feel like animation and, and character animation is a is a place where this game could really shine um is that something that you found as you were you know going through these on rails uh areas that that the way that the pokemon were kind of represented and what they did with them and their personalities was um something special yeah, it, I mean, I, I actually think it draws into contrast um, some of the limitations of the other mainstream Pokemon games. If you think about the the standard pa- Pokemon battling games, the animations on those are relatively limited because there are so many of them and uh, there's a certain things that they need to do. Um, but in this, because uh, it's almost like you're on a, a like a carousel ride or a roller coaster in a way, um, at, the Pokemon can move past you, you can interact with them and they sort of... Uh, will react to a, a number of different stimulus. So you can get, play a bit of music, or you can throw them some food, or you can, um, you know, make them other sounds to sort of uh, alert the Pokemon, or, or get them to do like a snarly sort of sound if you throw an apple right at their head. Um, you know, that, that sort of stuff is is really charming, and I think um, does a great job of uh, of making you feel like you're grounded in a world. Um, and also you don't feel like you're an intruder in this world, uh, which is interesting because it make, it honestly made me think like a lot of what you do in Pokemon in the main series is quite weird uh, yeah. you, if you take like two <laughs> seconds to think about it, uh, but we don't think about it that much. Um, and, and this actually feels more like what normal interactions for everyday people would be more like you know you'd see a cool pokemon like you see a cool bird in real life and you'd snap a picture of it and you'd be like cool that's a really good one we'll chuck it up on uh, social media and things like that and you know that is a really sort of interesting way to approach this world um and it, it also doesn't feel like it's a um it's not a a punishing game either you know it's one where you just enjoy the ride and you know i think if you've been playing a lot of other uh challenging games or or things that take ask a lot of you um it's a game that you could sit back and 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 go for a couple of short runs uh through the different biomes uh see if you can get improve your scores for the photography that you've taken so far um and uh you know see what combos you can put together yeah so uh, the one question that I, I just can't seem to get past with this game, though, is, you know, it's been, what, uh, 20 years or so since the release of 
the original Pokemon Snap. It was a one-off game, a, a kind of a cute little artifact that exists in the in the history of Pokemon. Do you think that the 20 years between that game and new Pokemon Snap is sort of properly represented in the game? Do you feel as though they they did enough with, um, you know, that breadth of game design and history and everything that's happened in between, you know, whenever this game was released, it was like 2000, 2001 or something like that. Now, um, do you feel like they, that, that new Pokemon snap answers enough questions that might exist in that space of time? I, I, I think of course it must do like by the nature of things. We've talked about so many different things that have changed in the time, you know, just as a, ma- it, just as a function of the quality of the, the in-game models in the actual thing, they're just going to look like much better than they could have done if they turned up on the GameCube or if they turned up on the Wii. Right. But it's a stylized game. Um, so it's the sort of game where I feel like if you did play it in 20 years time, um, because the way that it has been stylized and characterized, I don't think it would age in a way that, um, you know, we, would look at it and go that really looks dated now like if you look at some of the um you know even pokemon snap on the 64 right that's very blocky looking but we've reached a point now where the the character models are so high fidelity that you know it it does feel like it it could have come out at any point but i i think there is a lot to it you know that isn't there and i think just just in the function of like the quality of the animations in that that you find the the lighting effects that are in there are really nice um just the way that they have been um, you know, put together the world as thought about um, feels really nice. The controls actually seem pretty good as well. And I think this is the thing that quite often people forget about is that how control schemes have improved um, from that era of games. They were the first sort of console games that people would be playing. But I don't know if you've done what I've done. It's quite often dig back into the catalog in either an emulator form or or picked it up on um, something like a Game Pass or whatever. Playing these older games, the control schemes have really evolved and changed a lot. And this feels like a, a modern game uh, in the way that you actually control it. And I think more than anything else, that is what's really cool. And what, what I think is great is that, you know, it, maybe this game, if it had come out on a, a standard console that sat on a, beside your television, um, you you might think, okay, this was a fun little thing, or maybe a great game for for kids to play. Um, but the way that it's come out on the Switch, you know, it's just something. You know, you've had a, a big day. You're sitting on the couch, maybe watching some TV. You just go and snap some snap some Pokemon while you're at it, while you've got the thing in your hands uh, on your couch. Like I think the portable uh, Switch console is, you know, the perfect place. Um, for this to happen. I, I do wonder, it, it, the thought I had when I was playing it actually is, I wonder if originally something like Pokemon Go, uh, they might have thought to have made that more like a Pokemon Snap sort of game because there's obviously a camera aspect to that. And I'm and I'm wondering if maybe that could have been the original sort of thought behind it. Um, you know, that's speculation, of course. I have no, nothing to back that up. But, you know, like that sort of seems like a step in the same direction that this game is and that you're kind of absorbing these pokemon you go into particular places and you know that's sort of the way to to think about this game so yeah i I, for me i think it is really um it's it's a great nostalgic game there's nice little nods to characters that you would know if you played the original one um todd who was the main character um in the nintendo 64 version turns up again as a as an assistant of the of the professor um so you're taking quests from them you are uh, trying to pick up, it's almost like little photo bounties in in a way. So you're going around trying to find the perfect moment to capture them and you'd get a reward from that. And I think the biggest incentive in this game is to go back and improve your score, improve your photographs, um, because there's a, you know, a number of different uh, starred images. You get four um, 
images with either one to four stars for each Pokemon. So you fill those four images up um, and they can have different qualities. So they'll have sort of bronze level stars uh, all the way up to sort of shiny diamondy looking ones. And there were, you know, I've had the incentive to just even go back and try and improve the pictures that I had taken, knowing that I'd taken a pretty good photo the first time around, but thinking about the composition, maybe not zooming as much, maybe um, thinking about what other Pokemon could be in the frame as well, because you get bonuses for the for the background that's there, for the other Pokemon that are, are featured in the background um, that are outside of the, you know, the main focal Pokemon. Um, and yeah, it's I think that is a, a, a great game. And I think it really has made me want to go and, uh, you know, keep going through many, many times to improve my run and improve the, 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 the photo album. And, of course, the other aspect of it as well, which we touched on at the very top, is that, you know, this game does link up uh, to a physical printer. Um, there's an Instax printer that you can connect to your Nintendo Switch and you can print your photographs out on sort of like a Polaroid-style instant photo. Um, so you're actually connecting the physical world to the digital world of photography there and that seems like a really cool little thing to to have um you know that sort of tangible uh tangible thing um that can connect to to that game so that seems to be it's like yeah will i play this game for a really 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 long time probably not i think i will get to a point where i have finished as much as i would like to do i've collected most of the main pokemon i've gotten enough of the scores but will it be a good time while i'm enjoying that yeah i think it will be and i think it's a game that a lot of people can appreciate um either from the nostalgia uh, basis or you know if you want to introduce it to uh, younger players for example and you want them to explore a game uh, where they can uh, think about photography and improving um the way that they think about uh, framing of images and all that sort of stuff uh, yeah it's a really really fun little experience and um i think probably a lot of people playing this will will be itching for another Pokemon Snap sequel after this one comes out. Yeah, we may well get one. I, I guess maybe just before we close out on on mm. this particular game, I did just want to ask you: Was there, you know, did you have your moment in this game where you got the shot, where you got, you know, the po- the, the the Pokemon pose or the the, the Pokemon photo that um, just was, uh, you know. Uh, just real chef's kiss, you know. Was was there a moment like that that's, that that stood out to stood out to you where you were, you know, thanking the Pokemon for doing exactly what you needed uh, to do? I think you know, there's a lot of the uh, the way that you interact with the Pokemon is kind of getting them to, um, uh, you know, you, you you have to basically set the shots up right, like in in any photography. So you're either at, at sending them food or um, just bopping them on the head with a, a piece of fruit or or something like that. And I know that when I got um, a picture of the this. Uh, Marchamp, uh, who was on the beach looking like a bodybuilder, sitting there ready to roll. And then when we got him, and he was just like flexing away with all four arms, just going, being real beefy. Who <laughs> just like had the greatest expression on his face of like, that really just took me back to being, you know, eight or nine playing these games uh, on the Game Boy, thinking about, you know, the, the worlds in your head and then seeing them play out in front of you. That was a really sort of special moment for me. So that's new Pokemon Snap available now on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, check it out if you've got a nostalgic uh, feeling for the old Pokemon Snap games or you want to introduce new players to a world that feels really vibrant and fun and one where you can just be an observer. Uh, you can move through a world uh, that uh, you don't need to disturb. You can just let things go past and you just appreciate it from, from where you're sitting and from behind the camera lens. Sit down for a chat with your pals in video games. This is Mainstream by Pixelsift. Now, 
it's it sort of came out of nowhere. I think a lot of people were expecting there to be another entry in this series at some point, but it has seemed like all of a sudden everyone was getting very excited for Lady Dimitrescu. Uh, get excited uh, for this lady in a big hat uh, coming <laughs> along uh, to. She's uh, coming. To, she's coming along to to. Uh, put you through some some struggling times. Of course, we are talking about Resident Evil Village, which is available now. Nicholas, you've been playing it. Um, I haven't touched this game for a, for this series for for a long time. What can I expect? What is Resident Evil Village? Yeah, so Resident Evil Village is an interesting. It finds the series at an interesting point, I think. And Gianni, just before I move forward, I mean, we were discussing before the show. Do you mind just giving me your sort of history with the the franchise or maybe where you left off or the last game that you played from this series? Yeah, so I have played a lot of the older series. I played um, on the... The first game I ever played was Resident Evil 2 on the PlayStation 1. Um, and then I played, uh, you know, the Code Veronica games. Um, I played the remakes on Nintendo DS um, using the controls on there, the tank controls, mm. um, into the more modern era playing on GameCube uh, with the crazy ch- chainsaw controller that came with... Oh, gosh, um, yeah. ...which came with Resident Evil 4. Um, and the last game that I properly played through in this series was Resident Evil 5, and that was sort of a, a, sort of a modern era. They were saying more of a westernised style of the Resident Evil game, um, and uh, you know, I my friend had the the bright red limited edition uh, Resident Evil Five Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty when that came out. So you know, that's that's kind of where I've left it. You know, there's been other sequels since then, but I, I haven't come back to it for for a while, um, and I'm not hundred percent sure as to why it hasn't come back to me. But um, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's 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 a really interesting uh, point to leave that uh, series with Resident Evil Five, and there were a lot of people that you know, found five to be a little bit, you know, it did a lot of things action wise, um, you know, were quite different from what Resident Evil had meant up until that point. And the one thing that I couldn't stop thinking about while I was playing Village was this really feels like it's asking a question of, you know, what even is a Resident Evil game at this point? And so just to kind of give us some context, you know, we, the last numbered entry that we had in the series was Resident Evil seven. And, um, Seven's notable just because of just how back to the drawing board um, Capcom went with that game. You know, you are playing as an entirely new character, Ethan Winters, um, you know, and you're in uh, Louisiana Bayou. You're in the, you know, the Dolvia State Manor. You're being chased around by this crazy Baker family. Um, and there's obviously a whole big narrative behind them and all that kind of thing. But things are a lot more in your face. It was the first time at least as far as I know, that the series had been set in first person. Um, so everything was happening to you in that game. And um, it was it was a uh, kind of a, a, you know, a surprising success, I think. It was one of the best-selling Resident Evil games that they've ever put out. Um, it really just smashed a lot of preconceptions about the series. And I personally, I really loved it. And um, so I think that, you know, people who are coming into Village um, are going to be immediately reminded of at least one of two things. It's either... Resident Evil 7, because it plays largely the same. You're also inhabiting the shoes of Ethan Winters, something that the game has gone to great pains to make Ethan Winters into this sort of, uh, you know, industry character. Um, All of the teasers are, you know, Ethan Winters, Ethan Winters. You know, everyone really wants to talk to Ethan. Um, So you're either going to be reminded of 7, obviously because it's a direct sequel, or you're going to be reminded of Resident Evil 4, 
Um, and there are some other inspirations, obviously, in there as well. And, and inspirations are a lot of what I was also thinking about while I was playing this game. Um, but you're going to be reminded of Resident Evil 4. And it, I think that owes that's owed a lot to the, you know, the village setting. You're dealing with a village that is beset upon by a, um, a you know, a supernatural threat that is just, you know, decimating uh, the people that are living in this in this village. Um and uh, and also the um, the the sort of the Transylvanian uh, larger than life kind of gothic gothic um, gothic vibe of the game. Um, so <laughs> I find the opening of this game to be pretty to be pretty incredible. You start off in this uh, you know incredible sort of domestic scene, um, and I want to tip my hat to you know Capcom, who I think have nixed the crown from developers like Naughty Dog in terms of uh, developing a you know, an incredible domestic scene with lots of detail throughout the house. And so it's three years on from uh, Resident Evil 7 and you're living in sort of this relative ease with uh, your wife from who was also in the last game, Mia, Mia Winters. And you've since had a child named uh, Rosemary or for the game is predominantly just referred to as Rose. Um, At the opening of the game, and this is represented in, I think, the announcement uh, trailer for it. um, uh, Chris Redfield, one of the kind of, you know, main uh yeah stalwarts of the series uh bursts in unloads like a clip and a half into mia just absolutely blows her away and um kidnaps you and rose and chaos ensues and you find yourself uh in this sort of snowy um very dark um wooded setting you're picking your way through the thicket of bushes after you've kind of crawled out from um this uh, your overturned convoy car that you're being held in. You're picking your way through the thicket and there's this incredible sound design that welcomes you into this game. Um, huffs and snarls and, you know, the sound that there's clearly something out there. And if you've been following the promotion of this game, you know that it's uh, werewolves probably. Um, and, you know, you're picking your way through this uh, thicket and you're coming out to this, um, uh, you know, open cliff and it actually reminds me of almost the opening of uh, fallout 3 when you come out of the vault and you're you know you are displayed with this uh, massive wasteland in front of you um village is the same thing where you're you're looking out uh you have castle dimitrescu which is like right across the kind of uh, ringed mountain valley that you find yourself in and then there's the village that is uh you know sort of set in the in the base of the valley and i guess one of the first things i need to say about this game is just how astoundingly good looking it is um i uh unfortunately were, was only able to play it on a ps4 on a ps4 pro so running at a high frame rate and it ran beautifully but i really just can't heap enough praise on the uh detail in these environments the um you know uh the the just how many items you will find strewn about the village as you initially pick your way through it and you're looking for supplies and you're looking to figure out what's going on the way the game is kind of structured is you, you find yourself in this, uh, this you know, village, uh, which kind of serves as the hub area from which um, different zones will spoke off. And those zones are dominated by the, uh, the four lords um, of the area who are part of this almost. I mean, if you thought the Baker family in you know, Resident Evil 7 were messed up, just wait till you get a look at these guys. Uh, they are astounding. Um, and... <laughs> it's um and there's obviously a narrative behind what it is that links all these people together but i don't want to spoil that um 
And yeah, so you've got this village as your sort of, you know, hub area that you um, often come back to and you can unlock more parts of it as you, um, as you, you know, uh, find more items throughout the world and and keys and, and things that'll help you kind of pick through the houses and open up one house that might've been locked before or, you know, something to that effect. Everyone on the internet, as soon as Lady Dimitrescu appeared, uh, Nicholas, everyone was very excited for this big vampire lady, uh, potentially causing all sorts of scary harm to them. Um, how much of uh, a character is Lady Dimitrescu, um, who was featured so heavily in all the advertising material for this game? Yeah, I think it's. Um, I would have loved to seen the Capcom meeting rooms after the, the you know the initial trailers featuring her dropped because I, I i do wonder if they were sort of dumbfounded by the the success of that character but you know lady dimitrescu is by far i think if i was going to say a favorite law i think she's my favorite kind of boss or villain character in the game but it's it's important to point out that there you know she is part of a larger um group of people so you know she is in charge of, you know, one area of the map. And I mentioned before that there's this, you know, spoke design where you're heading to different areas. She's in charge of her area. And if there was one sort of criticism of the game that I would have is that, you know, the Lords have their turf and, you know, never the twain shall they meet. Uh, you, you, you go and you deal with, um, with someone like Lady Dimitrescu and that's it. You know, you, um, you, you, you don't really, you know, see her again. You, and um, I, I can actually imagine people being disappointed in her because I think that her voice acting is tremendous. I think that the kind of the world or the character that they created around her is very, um, just like very interesting in a, in a kind of a, you know, a silly sort of B-movie kind of way. Um, but she's, she's tremendous for the time that she's there. Um, she's by far, I think, got some of the best, you know, moments not just herself but also her area has some of the best moments in the game um but yeah you going into this you should also be excited to see what else village can throw at you not just lady dimitrescu what i'm really curious about here is like you know you're working your way through this world we asked the question at the top what is a resident evil game the, the Resident Evil games that I remember is about corporate greed there's a, a touching on the pharmaceutical industries and uh you know ethical quandaries there you know we obviously moved into a lot of different uh, environments a lot of different settings in subsequent games they've moved away from that sort of feeling now what do you think a resident evil game is and what does capcom want it to be into the future well i think the the funny thing about village is that it kind of wants to take everything that has existed in the series history and sort of brew it all down into this sort of dense fantasy horror action thriller brew that um that is what we get when we play village um so major inspirations for this game i think and and that's sorry that's why i mentioned you know four and seven uh the action has definitely been dialed up so there's elements of five and six even in here as well but, you know, you go into a, an area like uh, Castle Dimitrescu, which is where Lady, you know, the internet's fam- favorite, uh, you know, vampire mistress um, stalks you. And that has, you know, clear references to not just the, um, not just the original Spencer Mansion from Resident Evil 1, um, but also games like Bloodborne, you know, we're, we're pulling on really clear Gothic inspiration here. 
And um, just the architecture of this space is is really what reminded me of Bloodborne. Um, and so, you know, there are the inspirations don't just stop at Bloodborne, though. You know, Village draws on games like PT and, you know, Amnesia, The Dark Descent. You've got many, you know, dank, cobblestoned basements um, that you will find yourself, you know, crawling through. There's even stuff, you know, like uh, House Invasion, like the initial opening or the initial combat encounters of this game are pulse-poundingly uh, fraught. You know, you you uh, find yourself, you know, in this village for the first time and you're immediately, basically immediately beset upon by this lichen horde. You have, you know, barely any weapons. And so what you're forced to do is to uh, pick your way through the um, sort of houses that make up this village and you're barricading doors as you go. The lichens are clawing at you through, um, you know, boarded up windows. Um and you are constantly on the back foot. And I just found that to be an astounding, you know, gameplay moment for this game. For the amount of things that Resident Evil 8 is trying to bring to the table and trying to put the player through and the different moods that the player is put into, whether it be extremely empowered, extremely disempowered, curious, afraid, you know, excited, it, it, it does an incredible job, I think, of making all of those moods flow together um, and turn into one, you know, one overall experience. It does feel extremely unique. And, you know, if I was going to recommend this game to anyone, I would, of course, recommend it to Resident Evil fans. I mean, it's an extremely well-made game um, with, you know, some of the series, you know, best encounters as far as I'm concerned. Um, but I would also just recommend it to horror fans more generally just because of how sort of deftly it plays with horror tropes and 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 horror moods. I feel like, I think that anyone who was interested in either, either even a vaguely horror sort of setting um, would would find something to appreciate in this game. Resident Evil Village out right now. Uh, you can pick it up uh, at, at the moment you hear this game. It will be in stores uh, for everyone to check out. Available on just about everything. PlayStation 4, 5, Xbox One, Series X and S, as well as on PC and Stadia, if you have access to that. You're listening to Mainstream by Pixelsift. Visit us on pixelsift.com.au. So this has been Mainstream by Pixel Sift. It's what uh, video games we've been playing, uh, as well as special guests like Nicholas Kennedy, who joined us for the very first uh, guest episode of Mainstream. Uh, Nicholas, thanks so much for being a part of it, uh, for taking us into the world of Resident Evil Village. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. And, um, you know, if anybody is interested in my writing, they can uh, they can find me on, uh, you know, on Twitter, of course. I'm at Nick Kennedy, N-I-C-K Kennedy. Um, but also I frequently write for Stack Magazine and, uh, and The Big Issue, like you mentioned at the top. Maybe you can pick one up as you go into grab a copy of uh, Resident Evil Village or Pokemon, uh, the new Pokemon Snap uh, when you're in the store next time. Uh, while you're online, uh, you can also find Pixel Sift on all the social media platforms, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Just give it a search. We've also got another podcast as well where we talk to game developers from all around the world and we find out what it actually takes to make games, what goes into the process, the lessons learned. If you've ever had a curiosity about what um, 
a game actually takes to put together from start to finish and uh, things that people think about or don't think about when making games, uh, then that is the podcast to listen to. That's just called Pixel Sift if you search for that in your podcast player. There's heaps more to check out on our website as well. That's pixelsift.com.au. We've got videos, we've got Let's Plays, we've got articles and much, much more. pixelsift.com.au. And if you like what you heard, tell a friend. Um, who might enjoy it um, because podcasts and most journalism really um, lives on word of mouth. Uh, if you think you, someone else could enjoy it, recommend it to them because it's almost more uh, than anything else you could do to support something you'd like is by telling your friends that you like it and getting them involved as well. Nicholas, thanks so much for being part of uh, Mainstream Episode 24. Thanks for having me. And until next time, have fun. <laughs>